the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM, 860AMTheAnswer.com. That's 860AMTheAnswer.com. You can reach me there if you don't have a radio. You can hear me anywhere in the world if you have a computer and a headset. So all you got to do is go to our our website, click Listen Live, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday morning, and you got me. I'm right here. I got a busy show this morning. I got Pryor Smith. We're kicking off Canada Calling, and the Canadians coming down to the uh, Florida market, the Tampa Bay area, for the season. Pryor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well indeed, and it's appropriate we're on this morning. Canada Calling, the radio program will launch uh, a week from tomorrow. And it'll be the 63rd winter season that Canada Calling has been aired all over the state of Florida for all the vacationing Canadians. And it's appropriate that we're on today because today is the first day this season that we're at the freezing mark here. Oh, boy. You know, prior, I'm thinking 63 years. You probably started doing this show when you were in diapers. <laughs> no, I can only claim 40. This will be, oh, okay. <laughs> be my 40th anniversary during the show. <laughs> but the show itself has been on the air in Florida every day of every winter for 63 years. Hard to and believe, but true. And you're widely received, and we love you guys. You know that. Uh, by the way, folks, we sponsor prior show in, in our market in the Tampa Bay area, so we think a lot of him, and uh, we feel real proud to be his sponsor, if that's appropriate to say. Well, and, I uh, thank you. I thank you very much, and so do a whole lot of Canadians who come down to your neck of the woods, because at one time or another during the winter, one time or another during the winter, everybody needs the attention of a good doctor, and Dr. Bill has filled that spot for a long, long time. There you go, man. And we're in St. Petersburg at uh, 6399 38th Avenue North. That's a block or two off of 66th Street North on 38th Avenue North. So if you get off the expressway on 38th Avenue North, head west towards the beaches, and you'll eventually run into me. It's a big sign that says, amazingly, can care with a maple leaf. <laughs> <laughs> And, and convenient, take- conveniently located, I might add, because the bulk of the Canadian population that uh, comes to the Tampa Bay region of Florida doesn't stay in Tampa. They land at the Tampa airport and immediately get into either a friend's car or a rental car, and the first thing they do is drive to the beach. And That's so they, right. stay, they stay in places like St. Pete 
or uh, Largo or Reddington, my, my next door neighbors in Reddington, yep. all the way up through Dunedin. So you're very conveniently located for those who need the assistance of a good doctor. Well, we've, we've got a huge net and we put it right on, on the uh, beach drive. And when we see a Canadian car coming by license plate, we snag that one and bring them over to the office and sign them up. So it's, <clears> that's the way to very, do it. It's very convenient that way to have one main drag to, by the way, speaking of health, uh, I was at the uh, Ontario Cystic Fibrosis Ball last night, which uh, my good friend Bonnie Griffin and her sons, Shane and Clint, do the majority of the work for, big sponsors. And Bonnie, by the way, uh, got to meet Celine Dion. Celine Dion's involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. I think Bonnie told me through a friend who has a child that has cystic fibrosis. So Bonnie got to spend a few minutes out in uh, Las Vegas with her and her brother. And Hmm. so that was a big deal. She raises a lot of money for cystic fibrosis, and her sons are are really great. They're picking up the slack. And the old man, he's great, too, because we can stand back by the bar while the party's going on and have a beer and enjoy life (laughs) while the women and the children run around and do all the work. Now, so you've got things figured out. Absolutely. And i got to give a shout-out to Jeff Beach, too. He's the executive director of the Cystic Fibrosis uh, for Ontario, Canada. And uh, he's just a real splendid guy. He has done a wonderful job, too. Uh, Very touching prior, there was a woman who spoke. She lost her first baby at 32 weeks. Her next baby uh, ended up having cystic fibrosis. And uh, it was a tearjerker. I mean, she was crying. People were, 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 were actually moved. And uh, it's really, uh, really a, a rare but devastating disease, although the treatments are getting better and we're getting closer to a cure. And it's through the good work of people like Bonnie and her kids that money is available for this kind of research. So kudos out to those guys. Yeah, good people and a good cause. Good Canadians. Yes, Yes, indeed. So you're starting your show, Canada Calling, and I understand you're going to be moved back a half an hour or something. Somebody's told me something about that. Yes. Uh, our traditional time to air has been uh, uh, 12. Well, it's during the lunch hour, around 1230, and they've asked us to move up to 1 o'clock, so we're moving up to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so if you want to keep in touch with the news from home, do what the traveling Canadian crowd has done for 63 years and tune us in on WGUL AMH 60, The Answer, at 1 o'clock starting next Monday. And you can hear us all over the state and like you on Sunday mornings. If you don't have a radio handy, you can bring us in on a computer. Just go to CanadaCalling.com. Or Skype. I mean, not or, Skype, but uh, um, um, what's it? iHeart. iHeart Radio. Oh, yeah. Well, you can your, listen. You, you can listen just. About, <laughs> you can yeah. listen just about any way these days. You can almost pick us up in your back teeth these days. But uh, it's it's incredible, isn't it? We were talking before we went on the air about how you can just access anything now. And there's Canada calling on the radio. It can be on your computer, on your tablet, on your cell phone. It can be anywhere. Well, prior, I, I told you it was going to be a busy show, and I've promised uh, one of our state senators, Dr. Alan Hayes, that we'd pull him in for 10, 15 minutes and see what he has to say. He's a Trump supporter, and, and uh, although 
a lot of people are having a problem with the personality. The platform is more what I'm interested in. Uh, if you don't mind, and feel free to jump in and ask questions and, and yeah. give, him, give him heck. <laughs> we, got, we got the good doctor on the line. Well, good morning, Bill. How are you? Hey, Dr. Allen. How you doing, buddy? Just fine. Just fine. Glad to be with you guys today. Well, we well, appreciate good, you calling good, in. Good morning from Canada. Well, I'm glad we're a lot warmer than you are. <laughs> Believe me, it's chilly up here. Well, you're going to be even gladder, if that's the proper terminology, because, again, this winter season, probably somewhere in the range of four million of us will come down and pour money into your economy and enjoy your sunshine and your warm weather. Uh, we appreciate every nickel of it. Yeah, it's a traditional <laughs> thing. It's a traditional thing that dates back a long, well, it dates back over 65 years, really, that Canadian tourism developed in Florida. It just keeps getting bigger with each passing year. And the, the most recent numbers show somewhere in the range of four to just over four million Canadians in your neck of the woods uh, every winter season. That's an awful lot of people and an awful lot of money. Well, I think that's a very good testament to the fine taste that Canadians have for good climate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and as you as you may or may not know, Doc, uh, I d have declared Florida the southernmost province of Canada from October to May. So, that <laughs> and we way, welcome that label. Yeah, you know that way we're connected uh, across space and time. We're all one family, and we welcome our Canadian cousins, and we're just delighted to have prior. Uh, prior and I were talking a little bit about uh, Mr. Trump, and and I know that you're anxious to talk a little bit about him, too. Uh, you're here on his behalf, and glad to have you for that. What do you think? you think our man's going to get in or not? You know, deep down in my gut, I feel that he is. I think the American voters are tired of being taken for granted and being insulted by the power structure in Washington, D.C., and, you know, Mr. Trump has had unprecedented turnouts at all of his rallies. He's, he garnered more votes than any other Republican primary candidate in the history of the party. And this, to me, sends a very clear message from the voters of America to the, to the, the establishment in Washington. We are very unhappy with your performance and Mr. Trump is our man to come in and turn that town upside down. You know, so I'm a dentist. Yeah, so I, look, I look at the mess in Washington, D.C. as somewhat like a, a decayed tooth, and Donald Trump is going to be the dentist to come in and clean out all that rotten decay and restore it, that tooth to be a fully functional, long-lasting tooth. Well, that's a that's a good uh, uh, metaphor. I hope that he does get in and is able to to do some of this now. But Pryor had a bone to pick about the the, the comments about the Canadian health care system, and uh, you and I are in the medical profession, so we better hear Pryor out and see if we can answer him. <laughs> you know, what one thing I learned a long time ago is two things you never discuss in public are religion and politics, and here I go talking about politics from another country. Well, you're talking about <laughs> medicine, so that's different. <laughs> no, the, the, the thing that, that caught me, I think it was in the second, yes, I believe it was in the second debate. Uh, I'm sitting there watching the debate, and all of a sudden he comes out with this line about how the Canadian system is catastrophic, quote-unquote, and how Canadians are flowing down to the States for treatment. 
Well, the actual fact of the matter is we are not. Uh, the actual truth of the matter, if you want to look at the numbers, is that approximately 0.1% of the Canadian population goes outside the country for treatment. And that's outside the country to all destinations, not just the U.S. So that was, was frankly a gross exaggeration that I think somebody should have called him out on, but it seems that nobody has. Yes, well, you know, there, 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 there are warts with the Canadian Medicare system as there are warts with any system. But this system here works pretty well. If you're in need of, of, of medical services in a dire emergency, you get it just as fast as anybody anywhere. Uh, now, granted, if you're after selective surgery or selective services of some kind, yes, you wait and you wait and you wait. But this system has its warts, unlike any other system that, that, that has its warts. But it's pretty good. It's been around for over 60 years, and it's working. Well, you know, Pryor, I think this, this highlights one of the differences between the uh, U.S. And, and Canada, our Canadian cousins. And, and I bring this up, and I brought this up with you before, but Dr. Hayes hadn't heard this. So, you know, we left home when we were teenagers. We said, we're, we're not going to pay rent, Dad, if we don't get to have a vote in the household. Dad said, yeah, you are going to pay rent, sent soldiers over to Boston and all that. So we got in a big to-do, and we left. <laughs> and you guys stayed home until you were 250 years old, and then mom kicked you out. Parliament <laughs> said, you have to leave. <laughs> now, I, I appreciate your patience <laughs> and your long-suffering, but this is certainly a little bit different in the way that Americans and Canadians look at the things. We want a hamburger. We want it right now. We, don't we want, want it now, and we, we want it with all the stuff on it. Everything on it, we want to get fat as we can get, and to hell with everybody else. We'll just take statins and get a, get a heart catheterization and a stent when our arteries get too plugged up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, they're, the Canadians are just wonderful people. I don't know how much interaction you've had with them, Alan, but they're, they're really just, just very polite, nice people, and... Uh, uh, Except on, a, except on a hockey rink. Well, that's that's that's, that's organized mayhem. That's uh... it certainly is. I'm a football fan, and I tell you what, I I, I cringe every time I watch a hockey game. My goodness, uh, that mayhem is a, an appropriate term for that. Um, yeah, I agree. I I don't think I've ever had any interaction with a Canadian or someone that I knew to be a Canadian that uh, that was not a pleasant person, and. Um, of course, the overwhelming majority of people, anyhow, are pleasant people, no matter where they're from, and I, I think that's good. But you know, to me, um, if if the Canadians are happy with their system and it's working well for them, then go ahead and, and enjoy it. Um, but I look at it, I look at it very differently. Personally, I think that most of our society um, considers it inappropriate for a third party to intervene in, a, in an intimate relationship. Most of the public thinks of, of the most intimate relationship being that of spouses, when in fact, those of us who are in the healthcare industry recognize that people will tell their healthcare provider things they wouldn't think of telling their spouse. And so I would suggest that the most intimate human relationship is that of the doctor and the patient. And and when we don't, we don't approve of someone, a third party intervening in that marital relationship, why on earth then would we 
approve of a third party intervening in that most intimate relationship, that of the health relationship. And of all things, don't let the government be that third party. And well, I, government I just I needs to get that. completely out of health care. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I prefer not to have the government involved in a number of things. But you know, the problem that we have to overcome, uh, Alan, is that uh, there are a lot of people in the United States, black Americans, women, who could not get the kind of uh, recognition and uh, equity at the state level. It took the federals to come in with the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to, to kind of set the, set the cart back on two wheels. Uh, it was unfair for a lot of people. So I think that we are going to have to have some way of assuring people that if we do have that power to change the system, that we'll change it in a most equitable fashion. And I agree with you that I don't want the government in telling me how to run my business. But by the same token, we need government to do some administration. And we just have to figure out how much power we want to give them, certainly not as much as they have now. But we do need to figure this out and be very specific as we go through these steps. That is, if our man gets in, which I think he will. Yeah, and the overwhelming waste in so many government programs is is just an embarrassment. And, you know, it's so easy for those bureaucrats to spend other people's money (laughs) that's not theirs. It's just the taxpayer money, and they they don't think of it that way. I've had countless people in my 12 years in the legislature Say, well, it's government money. Well, where oh, yeah. do you think that money comes from? <laughs> it's got to come from somewhere, doesn't it? Yep. You bet you. And it doesn't grow on trees, not even the beautiful citrus trees of Florida, um, even though those, those, those citrus fruits used to be quite, quite lucrative. But nevertheless, um, <laughs> you know, the, the government doesn't have anything that it doesn't take from a taxpayer. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's just very poor stewardship for them to be just spending, spending, spending like crazy. And that's one of the things I like about Mr. Trump. He is a pragmatist. He is not a politician. He is a pragmatist. He, he's a businessman who looks at a problem, identifies it, and then sets about a plan to solve the problem. And he couldn't care less about political correctness. I've said countless times, the that's most obvious. dangerous disease in America today is not heart disease, and, it, and it's not cancer. The most dangerous disease prevalent in America today is political correctness. People need to know the truth, and they appreciate the truth. I cannot count the number of times that people have said to me, with whom I disagreed, they said, Alan, thank you for being honest with us. And that's what we want. The American public does not want to be lied to. And that's what Hillary has done. That's what Obama has done time after time after time after time. You know when their lips are moving, they're lying. And that, <laughs> well, that just needs to, to stop. That may be true of a lot of, of uh, people in politics, but I think it's a, a fairly egregious the, the, what the Clintons have done. And, you know, they really have no idea of money. And uh, Oh, they, they were, sure do have ideas of money when it comes to putting it in their own pocket. Oh, yeah, but, you yeah. know, when they were in the White House, they didn't realize that that this is not uh, the United States is not a parliamentary government. There's not one branch. And you can do what you want as the chief executive, and the legislature will foot the bill. They didn't realize that the executive branch was separate and that if they wanted to have a state dinner or a party out on the lawn, they had to pay for it. And, and their 
their aides were afraid to go and tell Hillary because she'd cuss them out and throw things at them <laughs> and, and, and say, take care of it. And when they left the White House and she said they were broke, they were broke. The, the caterers had quit coming because they weren't paying the caterers. The florists wouldn't bring flowers because they weren't getting paid and, and they were deeply in debt for all of their uh, executive branch entertainment, which is part of their duty. You know, so the one thing I can't quite understand is how just these few years later, they have a net worth of over $150 million. Can you explain that one to me? Because there's a lot of crazy Canadians that will pay a half a million to listen <laughs> Bill Clinton speak. And, uh, you know, he's up here, and I was up here one, one season, and he was up here. And I'm like, what's he doing here? Oh, he's speaking. I said, I wonder how much he's getting. $500,000 for a one-hour or 30-minute speech. Yeah, it was absolutely staggering. Nobody here could believe it. Who paid it? That that's a good question. <laughs> I can assure you, you I can assure you I didn't. <laughs> no, nor I. I was in Florida by the time it, the bill came in. Oh, well, Lord. look at the number of look at the number of Wall Street firms that have paid those obscene prices. Oh, it's tell you what, it 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 you know, it it just it is just revolting to me that anybody would would pay to hear them. I wouldn't pay 25 cents to hear either of the Clintons speak. But nevertheless, um, there's just been hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. It's just a way of, of it's just a, a, a legalized graft. It's just a way of saying, we'll pay you to come speak because if we just give you cash, it'll look like a bribe. That's and, right. and, you know, probably yeah. half the audience is on their palm, on their cell phones and their palms and doing things anyway. So, Well, I think that I think the American public is tired of being lied to. Um, one of the one of the observations that I made, which may or may not be valid, is certainly nothing scientific to it. But I sense a relatively low energy throughout the country for Hillary. Now she's got her her core group and her diehard Democrats are going to vote her socialists that are going to vote for her for sure. But ride up and down the highways and look to see how many bumper stickers you see on cars with her name on it. Look see how many yard signs you see or how many billboards you see. Um, uh, I, I, I know. Traveled, it hasn't been that prominent. No, it's not. And one of the nurses who um, I chat with in the ICU at, at our little hospital, St. Pete General, which Pryor is aware of, uh, we, uh, we were talking and she said, who are you going to vote for? I said, I already voted for Trump because we have the the mail-in ballots, the wife gets that, and she fills out what she wants, and then I have to sign it or, or I'm cut off for the next five years. So at any rate, so I signed it, and it was for Trump. And she said, you know, I cannot bring myself to vote for Hillary under any circumstances, but Trump is such a pig. He's such a male <laughs> chauvinist pig. I said, well, you know, he's not here, and he's not bothering you, so what do you care? You know, let him go to the White House and be that. Uh, you know, I don't even think he's done anything that wrong. He's, he's just got a mouth on him, the, which will have to be toned down if he's going to be our our nation's uh, front man around the world. He'll, that'll change. Well, did you hear his speech yesterday at Gettysburg? No, I did not. Had any yeah. sound? I I heard a, not the total speech, but a good bit of it, and and it sounded to me like he stayed on script, and good. he delivered it in a very calm. Um, tone, a very professional sounding tone, and um, I just thought it was was an excellent way to lay out his plan for the first hundred days in office, and and I thought he hit some home runs there myself. Well, you know, I've seen him in private when he didn't 
uh, know that the camera was rolling. And he's actually quite uh, uh, thoughtful and diplomatic, and he's uh, you know he's very low key and 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 uh, pleasant and recognizes people whether they agree with him or not. Uh, so I think the guy probably has a, a little bit of uh, a, a, what's that disorder called, Doc? When you're when you want to expose yourself to everybody. Um, can't, can't Don't say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that way. But you know, he's a, he's a showman. That's for sure. When, yeah, when you want people to notice you. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, when you. Well, I'll tell you what. I was thinking uh, about how much free advertisement he's gotten. I mean, he's run this campaign on a relative shoestring, uh, and you know, he was going to make an announcement, a big announcement about he's reversed his uh, position on whether Obama was born in the United States or not. And he gave like a 45 or 50-minute speech, and then at the very end of it said, oh, yeah, and I, I know now Obama was born in the United States. And all this, <laughs> he had every, every newscaster in the world there for free. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well, I think, I think there's another message that the voters are going to send uh, in, the, in the polling places this year, and that is a message to the media. Listen, we're tired of your socialistic pandering to the, to the Democratic Party. We don't care about your silly polls and what they say. We, the people, are fed up with the establishment in Washington, and we're going to change that, and we're going to, we're going to stick it in your left ear, media. Your polls are, are bogus. Well, this, this is kind of shaping up to be 1828 all over with John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. And, you know, Andrew Jackson was the outside guy, and he was criticizing the Washington inner circle and uh, making all kinds of accusations. And it was probably a, as dirty as this campaign is. Uh, so it's, it's fascinating to see how it repeats itself. But basically, he was saying the same thing. The insiders in Washington are lying to us and taking our money and not putting it to good use and uh, misusing and abusing our trust. And the press was siding with John Quincy Adams, and uh, Andrew Jackson got in. Well, I think I think that the people in Congress would do well to listen up themselves and and recognize that the American public is tired of their incompetence and their political correctness. They've absolutely got, I mean, the Congress is responsible for that $20 trillion debt. When they keep raising the debt ceiling and raising the debt ceiling, when they go behind closed doors up there and they say, okay, we know you, you got to go home and tell everybody you voted against raising the debt ceiling. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change the rules of the Senate so that the debt ceiling can be raised without getting 60 votes. Yep. You vote for the changing the rules, and then we're going to we're going to go ahead and and you can vote no on raising the debt ceiling. I mean that kind of manipulation is insulting to those of us in the public. Oh, I agree, and it's got to stop. And, and those Congress people for the last twenty thirty years have allowed the nonsense to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Look at the overwhelming number of regulations that are absolutely strangling business. Look at the NAFTA garbage that how many jobs have left the United States and gone to Mexico? You know, I, I, I could go on and go on and go on. But, you know, Donald Trump is, is a man who looks at a problem and doesn't care about the political impact of it. He sees a problem, and he's going to craft a solution for that problem. 
Did you see his uh, uh, contract with the American voter, the 28 points? Have you seen that? Absolutely, yeah. So he wants to propose a constitutional amendment uh, to impose term limits on Congress, which, you know, might not be a bad idea. Uh, We could try that and see if that could uh, help with some of the nonsense. Because, you know, anybody who gets in a position, uh, myself, I go to the same office building every day that I own. I have the same employees and the patient's pretty much the same. I start getting comfortable, you know, Yeah. and I'm, but the difference being that I actually worked to build the building and I actually have to work to make the payroll. And I think that that's one of the messages Trump is, is trying to push out there, but I can understand how people get comfortable after a while if they've been in term for uh, 12, 24, 30 years. You know, it's a long time uh, to be in a position of power like that, and you, you well, get accustomed that, to it. Yeah, I have some I have some very strong thoughts on term limits. Uh, experience in, the, in Florida for the, the last 12 years that I've been in the legislature, we have eight-year term limits in Florida. And those are are grossly inadequate. Um, and to me, the the best term limit is an informed voter who knows what their particular uh, legislator has as a voting record on the issues. And and yet, in reality, today most voters are voting on name recognition instead of on the track record of that particular legislator. Mm, and, that's true. You're and right on so, the money. Yep. Yeah. So in, in light of looking at that, um, that vote that is an uninformed vote, um, and in looking at the abuses that have occurred and continue to occur, um, I'm in favor of a term limit, but it has to be a long enough term so that you can maintain the institutional knowledge of the legislature. No successful business that I'm aware of has a complete turnover of their entire board of directors and their officers every eight years. And yet the Florida legislature has just that. There are, granted, there are some who serve in the House that move over to the Senate, but the overwhelming majority of the House members do not make it to the Senate. And, and so the, the institutional knowledge resides in the lobbying core and in the professional state employees. And it will be the same way in Washington. If you make the term limits too brief, you will be setting yourself up for a complete disaster where your government's going to be run by bureaucrats and lobbyists. And the institutional knowledge will not be in the legislature. Inexperienced uh Legislators, I agree, and I think the Founding Fathers looked at that, and that's why they did not impose term limits on the legislature, uh, but uh, and initially not as well not on the president, although Washington set the precedent. It took mm-hmm. a, a constitutional amendment after World War II to limit the president's term limit. Right. So well, I, I, I think you have a good hoping, point. Yeah, I'm certainly hoping that starting tomorrow with the early voting in Florida, that people just flock to the polls and vote, vote, and vote, and some more. And, um, I hope so. Prior, I was thinking about the name recognition and with Trudeau being mm-hmm. in it. You and I have talked about this a, a couple of times. So, what's what's the sentiment up up here now in Canada with the you know the son of the great Pierre Trudeau? 
You mean Prime Minister Selfie, as he's now being referred to? <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time you turn around, there he is, posing for a selfie with yet somebody else. It's, 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 it's bordering on nauseating. But when you talk about uh, the, you know, the polls, as you were a few minutes ago, I can't recall the last time an election was held here in Canada in the last, I'm going to say, three, four years anyway, that the pollsters have been even remotely close to the result. Not even remotely close. And when the election campaign began here, what, about a year and a half ago, federally, the fellow who is now the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, was running a very distant third, and he wound up winning. What does that tell you? It, it tells you that the pollsters are not taking accurate polls in a scientific fashion. It's it's a it basically until you get up to about a week before the election with a real scientific poll, they're just popularity contests. They don't mean anything. Yeah. Well, in the, in the case of the federal election here, we had a government that was tired, that was worn out, that people couldn't wait to get rid of. Does that sound familiar? Well, I think that <laughs> sure that, it is. that that that's it. Change. You know, uh, humans want change. They want some change. At least. Our kind of humans do. <laughs> but, you know, when I think back to when the election was being held eight years ago and the current president was running on a slogan of change, well, what changed? All they did was double the debt that the country had had for over 200 years, and they managed to do it in eight years. That's not yeah, much change. That's not much change from where I'm sitting. Yeah, his, his slogan was hope and change, and we ch he changed, and we've lost hope. <laughs> that the bunch of us are, are now fed up with all of his garbage and uh, and determined to stop that nonsense by virtue of putting a non-politician in there. When and, you know The only thing that I think that Hillary has said that's halfway honest is that she's going to continue his programs. As a matter of fact, I think she will only exacerbate the problems that he has initiated. And, uh, and it, it's just, it's really, really sad that our society has come to that point. And so you talk about the polling. I think so many of the, of the voters are influenced simply by sound bites rather than, than knowing the issue and knowing the stance of the particular candidate. They just take one, one or two words or maybe one or two sentences that the candidate utters and, oh, no, I don't agree with that. Or, oh, yes, he's spot on, you know. Um, well, they don't even hear it. They get they get it from the news, and that's already been clipped. So you don't know uh, what's really said because it's taken out of context, and uh, that that makes it even tougher. And it's it's hard for a lot of people to spend time uh, reading and looking at the the politicians and the the uh, various programs that they're proposing and figuring out the cost. You know, it, because of the radio show I do, do I, I look at a lot of this and. Uh, Americans don't know that with the $2 trillion budget last year, we still had to borrow $500 billion of it, that we're yeah. spending, we're borrowing essentially all of the money that we're spending on one program, welfare, and, and that's, that's, that doesn't even include Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and, and I can't tell you how many people I've heard, intelligent people, doctors say, well, we're spending 50% on, on the military. No, we're not. We haven't spent 50% on the military since World War II. We're, we spend around 18 to 20% a year, and it's been pretty constant since the, uh, uh, since the 70s. Uh, that's, that's what the federal budget is, uh, or, or is budgeted for the military. 
And most of it is spent on the entitlement programs, two of which I'm on, by the way, so I don't want those to go away. Medicare and Social Security. <laughs> well, I, I disagree with your with your characterization of Social Security as an entitlement program. That's no, it's program not. I'm just, I'm just those of us who work silly. paid into, and um, and you know, and quite honestly, there again, the, the federal government has been fiscally irresponsible. Oh yeah, the the return on that money is less than three percent. There is no financial advisor anywhere that would be deemed. Uh, successful or or even um, uh, morally right if all they could get was a, a less than a three percent return on your investment and and that's what the federal government has done and, and it is just wrong the Ameri- you know truth scripture tells us you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free and if we Americans really want to be a free people we must have the truth and I think that's the message that is being sent by the voters is that we respect Donald Trump for being truthful. He was the one person on that stage who had the the backbone to verbalize the thoughts of tens of millions of Americans. And we, the American people, are tired of being taken for granted and tired of being lied to. And we're going to send a message that says, this honest man who at least stands up and calls a spade a spade is the kind of person that we're going to go for. We want this corruption knocked out, and we want to get him in there and solve these problems. I agree, and that's why I voted for him. When I first started looking at all the candidates last year and doing shows on the different candidates, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, I really thought Trump was just there to to run Jeb Bush off the stage. But when I went to his website and started researching what he stood for and what he had evolved into, I was quite impressed. I, I must say, I, I was uh, surprised that I became a Trump supporter, not from listening to him make speeches, but from reading what he what he wants to do and what he thinks should be done. Uh, I, I was really, uh, I was kind of awed by it, to tell you the truth, not that I'm a, a worshiper of, or, uh, you know, someone who likes a demagogue. That's, that's not me. I'm, I'm about no. the platform. The person, if they're good and they're honest, that's that's a bonus for me. Well, one of the things that I, I particularly like about him is he's such a pragmatist that I think, number one, he recognizes the fact that he is not a professional military man, but we have the the finest military force in the whole world. And, and if he will give those generals and those admirals an objective and says, listen, I want you to win, tell me what you need, and then go do it. Um, then get out of their way and let them do it. These yeah. rules of engagement is a bunch of nonsense. The only rule of engagement is kill that sucker before he kills you. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, that, that's true, and I think that at least politically that's what we're seeing on the on the podium between our two candidates now. <laughs> Quick, kill that one before they kill me. It's immoral for, a, for a, 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 a politician to send any person into battle with one hand tied behind their back. Oh, you make mean, sure you ridiculous. fully arm that person. You make sure you fully protect that person with all the, the the body armor and all the other armor that you can, and you give them the ammunition to go take out that enemy as soon as you can. And 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 that's it. If the enemy wants to write the, the, the rules 
of how they're going to play it, fine. But our objective is we're going to kill him, pure and simple, kill the enemy. That's the only way you're going to win. Yeah. When you take them to their knees and then they want to come to the negotiation table, MacArthur proved it, Nimitz proved it, Eisenhower proved it. You could go right down the list of those World War II heroes that absolutely saved the world from tyranny. Did they enjoy killing people? No. And I don't, I don't like it either. But by George, there comes a time when you've got to really put your foot down. And, I th- and I think this so. ISIS thing, uh, you know, it is beyond my ability to comprehend why anybody who is halfway informed could look at the, the resurrection of ISIS, the, the creation of it, if you will, which happened while Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State, and think that you want that woman to be in charge of the foreign policy again? Holy cow. And and I could go on and on and on. <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 the Benghazi thing is unbelievable. I don't know if you saw either of you guys have seen the three or four uh, contractors who were there to protect the, the compound because they didn't have enough military these these guys were ex special services guys and yep. what they went through and the calls that were made and what great heroes these guys were and you know i was i was really appalled at, at one of the questions that trump asked of hillary and she said well it was three three a.m in the morning as if three a.m in the morning is not a time to get up and be uh, stately or presidential or be the chief ambassador and I remember eight years ago when she was running against Obama, she was saying to him on the stage, you don't have the stuff to get up at three in the morning and take care of a crisis. <laughs> I was well, like, wait a minute. Is this the I same woman? Completely. Yeah, I agree with you completely. But here's another factor, too. The calls for help from Ambassador Stevens came for many weeks before that 3 a.m. call. And that woman was derelict in her duty. And the people under whom uh, that worked under her were derelict in their duty. I spent uh, probably an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes with Tanto Paranto, one of the four contractors that did survive. The, the guy in the movie who was who was fighting in shorts. Yeah, he he said that's the only the only kind of battle uh, fatigues that he wants to wear is shorts. Why I don't know. Maybe because it's hot in Benghazi. I didn't ask him why, but but the guy was was absolutely candid and and completely upfront with the whole thing, exactly how it happened, and he walked us through the whole thing before the movie ever came out. And I had one question. I said, "Is the movie going to be accurate?" He said, "You bet you the movie's going to be accurate. Or we would have never consented to do it." And um, you know that is that is just absolutely inexcusable to put those people out there and not give them every benefit that, that our, you know, why, why have we spent the trillions of dollars designing all these weapons and then don't let our people use them? That's nonsense. Yep. You well, know? speaking of, of benefits, um, my, my guy's yelling at me to take a break. We've got to let the sponsors give us a, give us a little, uh, a little boost here. So hang on guys. We'll be back in about three minutes. And uh, grab a cup of Joe. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We got a great conversation. So hang on, we're coming back.
With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton has switched focus a bit as she campaigns to help her party's congressional candidates. She appeared on behalf of a Senate candidate in Pennsylvania yesterday. Donald Trump was also stumping in the Keystone State. Police say a possible suicide may be the driving force behind two explosions in a Japanese city 60 miles north of Tokyo. Japanese media reports suggest the victim, believed to be a 72-year-old former military officer, wanted to kill himself. The crew of the International Space Station is doing some restocking today following the arrival of its first shipment from Virginia in more than two years. Orbital ATK's cargo ship pulled up to the space station six days after a nighttime blastoff. And the festivities continued into the wee hours of the morning in Chicago. The Cubs have won the National League pennant for the first time since World War II ended. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. Hi, Mark Wamsey, General Manager of Brandon Automobile by Ed Morris. Hurry in and buy a new vehicle and make no payments till next year. That's right, pay no green till 2017. And to help breast cancer survivors, a portion of all proceeds go to my hope chest. Go to Brandon Automobile, alphamayofia.com. Credit financing through dealer preferred lender. Minimum 700 FICO. Rebates and incentives to dealer. Restrictions to apply. Interest accrues from date of purchase. See dealer for details. For value and for service, it's at Captain Matt here. When you go to International Plaza, you will see huge jewelry stores with up to 25 showcases. Do not be fooled by these gaudy displays. Head south one block to Continental Wholesale Diamonds, where their everyday price is better than the big box store's 50% off sale price. Why pay for the other guy's mega overhead when you can buy from Continental Wholesale Diamonds? 1715 Northwest Shore, across from Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and the West Shore Center Building, on the web at ContinentalWholesaleDiamonds.com. Tell them the captain sent you. Being there matters, and your United States Navy protects and defends America on the world's oceans. Around the globe, around the clock, Navy ships, submarines, aircraft, and most importantly, tens of thousands of America's finest young men and women are ready to defend America when piracy threatens global commerce, when disaster strikes, or when called upon by the commander-in-chief, your Navy is there. When it comes to protecting and defending America, being there matters, and America's Navy is already there. Hello, this is Pryor Smith along with Dr. Bill Handelman from the Bay Area Medical Ken Care Clinic in St. Petersburg. Welcome back to all of our Canadian cousins. And if you have a medical problem, please come see us. Our location is 6399 38th Avenue North 
right across from St. Pete General Hospital, and we're here for you, folks. Dr. Handelman and his professional staff at the CanCare Clinic are on call 24-7. If a medical problem arises, call 727-384-6411. Today's sunshine, it'll be pleasant with a high near 81. It'll be clear tonight, low 60. Or tomorrow and Tuesday, partly sunny and nice both days. High tomorrow, 82. Tuesday's high should reach 84. And then for Wednesday, partly sunny, we could pick up a shower in the afternoon, high 85. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Steve Williams for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your rambling Dr. Bill. I'm rambling up to Toronto this weekend. I'm here with Pryor Smith, and we've also got the good Dr. Alan Hayes, state senator from Florida. And uh, Alan, Pryor wants to know more details about you. He wants to know where you are from and what kind of practice you had before you went into politics and on and on. Well, I, um, I live in Umatilla, Florida, which is about 40 miles northwest of Orlando. I know it well. A little rural town. How you know? Well, you know Unitilla. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, over the 40 years, this will be my 40th anniversary season doing the Canada Calling radio program all over Florida. Yahoo! And, and during that 40 years, um, Canada Calling will actually be 63 years on air in Florida this winter. But during my 40 years, I've done over 900 remote broadcasts all over the state of Florida. And one of my favorite spots to do a remote, I did it for years and years, was from the front deck of the Lakeside Inn in Mount Dora. Oh, yeah. And, and I also did it for a number of years from one of my favorite spots in Florida called Mission Inn at Howie in the Hills. Yes. And so when I would be at Howie in the Hills at Mission Inn or over in Mount Dora, I would wind up going through Umatilla and all those other little spots around there. And I used to make it a point of going out of my way to go to the Yalaha Bakery. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. You yeah. know my district exceptionally well. I'll tell well, you what. <laughs> well, amazingly, <laughs> after doing 900 remotes and doing Canada calling for 40 years all over the state of Florida, even though I live in Canada and do it from here most of the time, my travels have taken me all over the state to the point where I know the state better than 99% of the people who live there. And so I know where Umatilla is. That's right. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've found many people who've lived in Florida their entire lives and have no idea. But uh, <laughs> and I, had never, I had never been there myself uh, until after, as I was finishing dental school, my wife and I had both grown up in a small town on the west side of Orlando called Winter Garden. And we were looking for a small town in which to raise our family, and we found Umatilla and didn't know a soul there. But I moved in and, and opened a practice, and I tell everyone, I, I started that practice on a shoestring and a prayer, and the, and the shoestring was borrowed. Uh, <laughs> and, and the people there just accepted us with open arms, and, and we were able to build a, a very successful practice. And then 27 years later, sold the practice, thought we were going to go into semi-retirement, and it's a long story. But anyhow, um, before the semi-retirement could get fully implemented, I was persuaded by friends to run for the Florida House of Representatives, was successful in that, 
and our our victory party in that race was at Mission Inn. Yep. And we have had our victory party at Mission Inn after every race that I have ever run. Well, I can I can tell you among the finest people I have met in the state of Florida are the members of the Butcher family who own Mission Inn, yep. and I have gone out of my way to promote Mission Inn every way I can because it's a it's a fabulous destination, and it also happens to be very close to the Alaha Bakery, which isn't a bad idea. I totally agree, and <laughs> and there's nothing any prettier than a sunset over Lake Dora from the, on the, from the front porch of the Lakeside Inn, too. Exactly. I have sat on the rocking chairs there many, many times and watched the sun go down. It doesn't get much better than that, let me assure you. One thing I should mention, you talked about the citrus trees or <laughs> what few citrus trees there are left in central Florida nowadays. I remember back in my earliest days of doing Canada Calling, I would travel across I-4, and I would turn north on 27, and all you would see on 27 all the way up through Claremont yep. was fruit trees. Yep. And now, when you drive north on 27, north of I-4, up to Claremont, all you see is the roofs of houses. Yes, sir. That's one oh, of the how time, oh, how times have changed. Yeah. I've said that the drive from Leesburg down 27 south to Haines City through those rolling hills, uh, when it was all citrus, was one of the most beautiful drives anywhere on the planet. You are right. And uh, when the freezes, the back-to-back freezes came through, it just decimated the entire citrus industry there in Central Florida. Yeah. And and you know it takes seven to eight years after planting to to get a crop that that is self-sufficient. You know, and and most of the growers just didn't have the financial wherewithal to continue going in. You know. Yeah. So they had they, the the land was more valuable as subdivisions, and the population growth there has just been explosive uh, all down there in South Lake County. But that's um, that's you know a little bit about me, where I'm from, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I served in the in the House of Representatives for six years, and then moved over to the Florida Senate, where I've been six years. Um, my last two years in the House, I chaired an Appropriations Subcommittee overseeing uh, probably about 14 or 15 different state agencies. Then when I went to the Senate, they put me in charge of a subcommittee over there for appropriations that handled those same agencies and added three or four more. And uh, we wound up with about a $6 billion budget. And we have the the entire budget for the chief financial officer, the entire budget for the uh, Department of Agriculture, and, and a whole bunch of other state agencies. And, um, you know, of course, sponsored various types of legislation. Uh, really enjoy working with the people of Central Florida. Uh, the entire footprint of the villages is in my district. Um, but we have a, a supervisor of elections in Lake County who's retiring this year, and I'm choosing to run to uh, take her place rather than serve two more years in the Senate, and then I'd be done. And, you know, as I said earlier, we have a an eight-year term limit in Florida, so after serving two more years, I'd have to leave the Senate. And so I'm going. I'm striving to be the next supervisor of elections there in Lake County. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you from this far distance up here in Canada. And if you have a chance to tune in Canada Calling during the winter, we're on all over the state of Florida, and we'll look forward to maybe one day running across you. Well, thank you. And, and next time you're in, in Central Florida there in the Umatilla area, by all means, give me a call. And let's <laughs> sit down and have we'll a come and have a, We'll come and have a party at your place. 
Well, we'll do that, or we'll go to okay. the Maha Bakery and have a nice, nice pastry and coffee. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Guys, it's close to the end of the show. We're about done, Bill. you got how many seconds? 20 seconds. All right, this is Dr. Bill. I want to say thank you most warmly to Dr. Alan Hayes, State Senator of Florida, coming on speaking for Trump, and my good buddy and friend, Friar Smith. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. See you next week. Don't forget the early vote. Big 500, it's auction time. Auction time for Shard Galleries, Antiques, and Fine Arts Auctioneers is on the air. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.